0: So this morning, I'm super excited to get to introduce to you our guest speaker, uh, Carlos Sarmiento. Is that how you say it? Sure. He didn't correct me, so I guess we're okay. Um, so he uh, has, I believe, been here uh, before, before my time anyway. He's visited uh, for Pastor Scott, and they've known each other for... Man, about as long as I've been alive, and uh, I'm really excited for you guys to hear his message this morning. His bio, we've got a short one on the back of your bulletin, but there's one line I wanted to read because, man, if I'm ever like, important enough to have a bio written about me when I go preach somewhere, I really want this sentence in there because it's really great. Uh, Carlos' messages carry a strong revelation of the grace of God as well as impacting those he ministers to with a deep understanding of God's love. And radical call to a life of intimacy and total abandonment to God's purposes. What a sentence. I love it. So if you would, put your hands together and let's welcome uh, welcome Carlos to the stage. Amen. Well, Holy
1: Spirit, we welcome you in this place. You are the great teacher. You are the great revelator. And you always love to brag about Jesus. So we pray, Holy Spirit, grant us eyes to see and ears to hear. And let us see Jesus this morning, Lord. Let not a man, a woman, let not a singer, musician, or speaker be magnified in your sight, but Christ and Christ alone. So we welcome you in this house. We thank you for the presence of the Lord. We know that your word says that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So we welcome the freedom and the liberty for you to speak and move as you choose We vow to give Jesus all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor And all of God's people said, amen. Give the Lord a shout of praise if you believe that in the house this morning. First of all, let me say what a privilege it is once again to hear you worship. Uh, You know, Bruce and Lisa, my wife Emily is over here, so give my wife a big God bless, amen. So we served together for several years. I was on staff full-time with Pastor Benny for nine years. Scott was about maybe a little bit less, seven years on staff. And you guys, of course, are still with Pastor Benny, per se. But uh, it is a privilege and an honor. I just, your voice has always been so powerful. And so thank you for your beautiful worship. Worship team was wonderful. God, can, you, can we say thank you for the beautiful gift that you guys have in this house? Amen. Well, Scott, Tammy, myself, and my wife, Emily, we've known each other since 1989. Scott was the young adult pastor. He pastored the group called Destiny. That was the name of the youth group there, the young adult group. And I was the pastor, the youth pastor for the high school group ARC, Army of the Radical Kingdom. And Scott and I actually got to really, really know each other on our first overseas trip. We went to England together, to London. And, uh... He could tell you stories of the things that we've learned about each other. We've traveled the world together. We, our families have vacationed together over the years. And uh, so it's been a joy to uh, be friends with Scott and Tammy. I consider him uh, my closest ministry friend on the face of the earth. And so I love Scoot. He calls me Los, I call him Scoot. And so I love Scoot very, very much. And so it's an honor to be able to sit, uh, stand here on this platform I know that I'm filling in some big, big shoes because you guys have an incredible man of God that is serving this house. He really, really is. And I say that with all honesty because not only is he a wonderful teacher, a wonderful minister of God, but his heart for the, for the poor, his heart of compassion for the lost is really, really You're really uh, astounding. And so you're really blessed to have Scott George to be your minister and your pastor. So Scoot, I'm sure you're watching this sometime. Thank you for the invitation. And I'll be here next week as well. So I hope that uh, I do well enough so that you'll come back next week as well. Amen. All right. Take your Bibles out with me if you will. And uh, take the notes out. And uh, so I was given this, uh, I was told to make sure that we stick it to the book of Psalms. That's the theme for the year for you guys. And so we're going to speak about the, just, the justice of God, the mercy of God, and how in all of that, God is a God of judgment. He's a just judge. There in your notes it says Genesis chapter 15, verse 13 through 14. You can take your Bibles and go to Genesis chapter 18. But we're looking at our notes. Genesis 15, verse 13 through uh, 14. It says this. Then the Lord said to Abram, know for sure that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs. And they will serve them, and they will afflict them for 400 years. Also the nation whom they serve I will judge, and afterward they shall come out with great possession. A few things here about this God that we serve. Yes, he's a God of mercy. But sometimes we forget that he's also a God of justice. Especially in this day and this hour where there is, uh, I, I don't think I can recall ever a time in my lifetime, uh, I'm a young 61, so, but in my 61 years of living, I don't recall a time where there's so much pressure coming against the church. So much pressure coming against the body of Christ. And I, I'm convinced by reading scripture and knowing the heartbeat of the Lord, that God is very much aware of what's taking place in the nations of the earth. He's aware of our plights. He's aware of our circumstances. Why? Because he is aware of his covenant promises that he's made with his people. And so the reason why God is a God of justice is because he's a God of covenant. And we know the story with Abraham and the promise that God gave Abraham regarding the people of Israel. He knew that Israel would be slaves for over 400 years in the land of Egypt. He knew that they would suffer. But he also had in mind the promise that he had for them, that eventually they would come out of the land of Egypt with great possessions. And that one day, and we know that day is still to come in the future, that one day the people of Israel, and by the way, we are part of the new Israel today. Israel today is both Jew and Gentile. Amen? We, are, we have been grafted in to the plan of God. We are sons of Abraham. The true Jew, according to Scripture, is one of the heart. It, the, the new body, the one body is made up of Jew and Gentile. And one day we will have our eternal home in the capital of the earth, Jerusalem. Hallelujah. God has a plan, not only for natural Israel, but He has a plan for the, 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 the spiritual Jerusalem as well. So He hasn't forgotten his, his promise to the people of Abraham, which we happen to be a part of that, because He's a covenant speaking, covenant making God. God is not only a Savior, but He's a judge. We like the Savior of the Gospels, but we don't like, for the most part, The judge of the book of Revelation. Did you know that the book of Revelation is part of the Bible? You know, at our our ministry, my wife and I, we pastored a church for 16 years. We've been involved in full-time ministry since 1986. I pastored nine years, youth pastored for nine years. And then I traveled full-time as a youth evangelist. And then in 2000, we started a church. We pastored that church for 16 years. But also while we were pastoring the church... We, uh, we had a special encounter of the Lord on May 8th of 2005 from which we birthed a ministry, or the Lord birthed the ministry called the Orlando House of Prayer. And since 2005, we've been conducting day and night prayer meetings for the last 17 years. We currently have our prayer room that's open 80 hours a week. It's open to the public. It's open to the community. We have different worship leaders from different churches come, and they'll sow an hour or two in the prayer room. And we're simply serving Central Florida with day and night prayer and day and night worship. I mean, it's biblical. David had the tabernacle of David for 33 years in which he conducted 24-7 day and night, night and day unceasing prayer, unceasing worship. And we see that as a result of prayer, God, om, God will move upon the nations, as we're going to see here in a moment, that because God doesn't want anyone to perish. Look at point number one. Scripture reveals it is God's will that none should perish. That is the will of the Lord. He doesn't want anyone to perish. But he also knows that not everyone is going to receive the plan of salvation that he has for the nations of the earth. Psalm 2, verse 10 through 12, the first point. Now therefore, be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear. Rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry. Notice that. Kiss the son. There is an anger side of God. There's two sides to the coin. I think most of us, for the most part, we've heard about the grace, the mercy, the kind, the long-suffering side of the Lord. But there's another side of God. He says, I am the Lord, I change not. And I believe that we have to have a full revelation of what, who this God is that we serve. Why? Because having a full encounter and a full revelation of who the Lord is will prepare the church for what is to come in the days to come. It will prepare the church not to be offended if, if difficulty should come. Now, I'm not saying that we're going to go through persecution, but that may be part of the future of America. It's the present situation for many believers in the Middle East. Horrific persecution. I think sometimes we think because we're out in the West that we're going to be excluded from any possible difficulty or any possible challenges. But Scripture is clear. Paul said if anyone desires to live a godly life, they will suffer persecution. Now to what level or what measure, I don't know. But we should be ready and we should be be preparing our hearts that no matter what the Lord allows the nations to go through, He is still God of the nations. Amen. And he's a a God who will strengthen us to be faithful. And he's also a God who's aware of the plight of his people in those nations. And he knows not only how to deliver, but he also knows how to pay back, as we're going to see here in a moment. He says, kiss the son, lest he be angry with you, and you perish along the way when his wrath is kindled but a litter." Little blessed are those who put their trust in him, but we know that he desires for all men to be saved. He says, Be instructed, you judges. I don't want anyone to perish. Point number two God's plan involves you and I, God's plan to bring salvation to the nations of the earth. God's plan to bring salvation to Central Florida. God's plan to bring salvation to your household. God's plan to bring salvation to the schools. God's plan to bring salvation to our neighborhood includes an interceding church. I love the mention of prayer that I heard a few times here this morning already. Prayer meetings here, teaching children the importance of prayer. That is so critical. Jesus never said, it is written, my Father's house is called a house of preaching. Jesus never said, listen, my Father's house is called a house of worship symposiums or conferences or events. I believe that the number one ministry in every local church should be the ministry of prayer. It should be the number one ministry. Can you imagine... I don't know how many churches there are in Central Florida, but there's thousands, at least a thousand churches in Central Florida, non-denominational and mainland denominational and all kinds of churches. But can you imagine if just 10 percent of the churches of Central Florida that would, let's say 100 churches, if a hundred churches in Central Florida would commit to say, only pray two hours a day, five days a week, just 10 hours a week? You know, prayers that are not just only focused, oh, Lord, bless our ministry, bless our men's department, and bless our finances, our building program. No. But what if the churches of Central Florida began to focus on, Lord God, shake Central Florida. Change Orlando. Give us revival, oh God. What if we, the body of Christ, began to come together and fast and pray and demand from heaven You said, Rend the heavens, you will come down, Lord. I'm telling you, we would saturate the atmosphere, the spiritual atmosphere over central Florida with a spirit of awakening. Nice church services is not going to cut it in the days ahead. We need a people that are revived, we need a people that know how to decree, we need a people that know how to do spiritual warfare. We need a people that know how to worship God and serve God extravagantly. The first coming of Jesus was prepared by two main figures, Simeon and Anna. Simeon was a prophetic voice. Anna was the intercessor. And I believe that there's some some Annas in this house. And an Anna is not a male or a female. There's no gender and There's a spirit. It comes upon both men and women, young and old. But I believe that the same spirit, the spirit of the, of the prophet, the prophetic anointing, and the interceding anointing that came upon Anna, Anna was a woman that was known that she served God in the temple day and night with fastings and prayers. God wants the church of Central Florida to once again cry out for the souls of our city. Can you imagine what would take place? What if? What if we got together once a quarter, once a year, thousands of believers just to cry out, to fast and pray, oh, God, give us Orlando. Give us Central Florida. Have mercy upon our children. Beloved, we're going to pass down a spiritual baton to our kids one day. How we live today will determine what is being passed down to them. And I believe that intercession is such a key part. Look, look at what Psalms 2 continues to say it says this now therefore i'm sorry i'm sorry go to yeah point number 2 ask of me jesus the father says to jesus ask of me and i will give you even jesus had to ask this psalm is about the father promising the nations to jesus and this psalm is a warning to the nations of the earth you better kiss the sun. You better embrace the sun. God's plan to bring salvation includes the interceding church. Ask of me, and I'll give you the nations for your inheritance, the ends of the earth for your possession. Now, look at your Bible in Genesis chapter 18 for a moment. Genesis chapter 18. Oh, this is going to be a challenge for me to get through all 10 points in the next. Eighteen minutes, but I'm going to do it in Jesus' name. If I have to, I can continue next week, right? All right, Genesis 18. Look with me, if you will, at verse number seven. This is a point that I really want to highlight today. Verse 17, and the Lord sa- said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm, about, what I'm about to do? Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? since Abraham shall surely become a great nation. Look at verse 19. For I have known him. God doesn't hide his plans from those he knows. Those that walk intimately with the Lord have the privilege of getting secrets, the plans of God. Verse 20. The Lord said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great, and because their sin is, is very grave, I will go down now. In other words, I will deal with this. Verse 21, then the men turned away from there and went toward Sodom. But look at verse, look what it says next. But Abraham stood before the Lord. In other words, Abraham got in God's face. We need people to get in the face of God and say, Lord, you're a God of mercy. You're a God of mercy. God has chosen, let me, for lack of a better term, God has chosen a system called prayer. And this system or this method of prayer is the very thing that he is using, he has chosen to limit himself, if I can say it that way. In other words, he's chosen to partner with man for the salvation of the nations. That's what he's chosen. And he can't change his mind. He's already said, this is my way that I'm going to bring salvation to the nations. I will use intercessors. I will use prayer warriors. I will raise up people to, I'm going to raise them up to the call to the wall, the wall of intercession. This is, a, this is his chosen method. Every single one of us, there is no calling for intercession. We're all called to be intercessors. We just need to respond to the call of prayer. And take it seriously because America is at stake. The nations of the earth are at stake. If there's ever a need for prayer in our nation, it's today. We need to cry out and fast and seek the Lord and say, God, you are a good God. That's what exactly what Abraham did. Abraham knew that God was about to go bring judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. But there was a problem. His nephew and family lived there. And the Bible says that Abraham gets in his face. He says, surely the Lord God will not condemn the just, the righteous with the wicked, will he? If there's 50 people there, only 50, Lord, will you spare the city? And the Lord says, yes, I will spare the city if there's 50. Though God is merciful, he is just. And he always looks for intercessors, watch this, to appease his wrath. God always looks for intercessors to appease His wrath. Point number three. Therefore, you and I, we must cooperate with God's plan by sharing the gospel. Praying prepares the hearts. And the gospel can penetrate people's lives. So it's not just prayer. It's also we must be willing to be vessels of the Lord. Scripture says, you are not your own. You've been bought by a great price. Our lives belong to the Lord. Psalm 96, verse 2 and 3. Sing to the Lord. Bless his holy name. Proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. Proclaim it from day to day. Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 10, verse 8, go. Heal the sick. Go. Raise the dead. Go, cleanse lepers. Go, cast out demons. Freely you have received. Now freely give. He says in Matthew five sixteen, let your light so shine before all men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. The Father can't be glorified for not doing good works. Think about that. The Father isn't glorified unless good works are manifested. And beloved, this is why he's given us the Holy Spirit. This is why we've been given the anointing of the Holy Ghost. This is why Jesus says, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. You shall be my witnesses in, Judea, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost ends of the earth. The Bible says in Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with power and the Holy Ghost. That's the same word, power, that is used in Acts 1.8 of the promise of us receiving power, dunamis power, miraculous power. That's not reserved only for Benny Hinn. Power is not something that Benny Hinn and Reinhard Bunke came up with. That's God's idea. And God's idea was you, 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 you watching on Facebook right now, on social media, you will receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Hallelujah. What an encouraging. Listen, he's not telling us to do something without equipping us to do it. He says, go do it, but I got good news for you. I'm giving you my spirit. And then along with the spirit, he gives us gifts, the nine gifts of the Holy Ghost. To do the work of the ministry. Number four, that gospel includes, I love this, forgiveness, healing, deliverance. It is a perfect gospel. A perfect gospel. Psalm 103, verse 2 through 4. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. You get sick? contend for your healing. You get bound, contend for your freedom. You mess up in sin, you don't have to contend for your forgiveness. Just ask him for it. Now some of us may have to contend for, the, for feeling forgiven. But the moment we ask for forgiveness, it's a done deal. The blood of Jesus is more than able to cleanse us and deliver us from all sin. God, the gospel is a perfect gospel. It produces, watch this, forget not all its benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities, heals all of your diseases, and redeems your life from destruction. That's a deliverance of the deliverance of our God. Point number five. So, the above four points reveals only one spiritual side or one spiritual side of the spiritual coin of God's character. Yes, he's a God of mercy, God of justice. But as we're going to see, he's also a God of judgment. He's a God of judgment. And we see that in point number six. Jump down to point six. God is full of mercy, yes. But he also reveals himself as a God of justice. The word justice means there, means morally right, equity, and righteous, To be morally right means to be right standing or right behavior. Equity means fair and impartial. Righteous means just and lawful. This God that we serve, he's fair, but he's also impartial. This God that we serve, yes, he's righteous, but he's just and he's lawful. By his nature, by his own character, he has to, he has to act on his just side, not just his mercy side. This is why he raised you and he raised me. He doesn't want anyone to perish. And so he uses intercession and he uses the spreading of the gospel so that nobody perishes. And on top of that, he sent his son. What else could he have done? He went to the furthest extremes to make sure that nobody would perish. Yet still, many will reject his offer of salvation. Look at there in Psalms 89, verse 13 and 14. You have a mighty arm. Strong is your hand. High is your right hand. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth go before your face. His throne, that is its foundation of his throne, it is righteousness, but it's also justice. Think about that. He sits on a throne that is morally right, good behavior, holy behavior, but it's also justice. In other words, he is impartial and he is also a law keeper. He will hold us accountable. Every one of us we must keep his spiritual moral law. Thank God Jesus did that for us. And that's why he gave us the holy spirit so that we can walk in obedience. But the unbeliever unless they unless their eyes are opened, unless they accept this plan of salvation, They're going to experience the justice of God. You see, for you and I, justice has already been decreed. It's been said over you and over me, innocent, not guilty. Hallelujah. We're not guilty, beloved. Not because we deserve it, not because of our behavior, but because of his behavior, what he did for us. Amen to that? We are innocent. But the unbeliever is under great condemnation. All you got to do is, later on, read John chapter 3. It says that the unbeliever, the wrath of God is abiding upon them. You see, we cannot erase these portions of Scripture that God is a God of wrath. He's a God of justice. He's a God of judgment. We can't forget about these truths. Sometimes we just want to think about the Jesus born in a manger, the Christmas Jesus, and we don't want the revelation Jesus. Two sides to the Lord. Yes, he's ready to forgive, but also he's righteous and justice are the foundation of his throne. But I love how that verse ends. Mercy and truth go before your face. Isn't that beautiful? Mercy and truth are before his face, he beholds mercy. You know, in the Old Testament, God uses imagery to, to communicate spiritual truths. You know, He uh, uses, of course, the sun, the moon, and the stars to reveal the plan of God that He has through the calendar of the people of Israel to communicate to the nations. One imagery that He used in the Old Testament was the tabernacle. If you remember, the tabernacle had several pieces of furniture. On the outside, the outer court had the water of labor, and then it had the brazen altar. That was the outer court. And then when you go inside to the first court, the inner court, you had on the left-hand side the candelabra, and then you had on the right-hand side the table of showbread, and then right in the middle was the altar of incense. And then there was a curtain that divided the holy place from the most holy place. And on the inside, the most holiest of all the places was the mercy seat and the Ark of the Covenant. Of all the pieces of furniture that was closest to the throne because the Ark was actually the throne of God. That's where God governed from. The piece of furniture that was closest to the Ark of the Covenant was the altar of incense. Incense in the Bible is always symbolic of intercession and prayer. Think about that. Think about, you know, God has to judge the wicked. He has to. It's His nature. And so in His mercy, He says, I need an intercessor. I don't want to destroy America. I need people to stand in the gap. Cry out. Cry out. Fast and pray. And so what does He do? What does he, do? he comes up with this picture of incense. Incense releases a beautiful smell. And that incense would, would would, would completely saturate that, that curtain, that curtain that separated the holy, uh, from the holy of holies. And every single time God saw the sin of the people, here's what he did. I can't judge. The incense is burning. God hauls back his wrath because of intercession. Because of incense. He's a merciful God. But where there is no incense... He is forced to release judgment. Let's continue here. Number seven. Because God is a God of justice, his character and nature requires him to be a God of judgment. Psalm 9, verse 5 through 8. You rebuke the nations. You have destroyed the wicked. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. You see how he's the one that does these things the bottom there, verse number 8, he has prepared his throne for judgment. He will judge the world in righteousness and he shall administer judgment for the people in uprightness. You can't hide that part of the Lord. Jesus came in the Gospels on a donkey. He's coming back again on a war stallion. Jesus came as a shepherd but he's coming back as a judge. Jesus came to heal, but he's also coming to destroy in the book of Revelation. Jesus came as a servant in the gospels, but he's coming back as a king in the book of Revelation. The two sides of the Lord, mercy and judgment. We have a role in this. Point number eight, in order to understand God's justice We must understand the depravity of sin. Sin is lawlessness. It opposes all that is just and righteous. Psalm 37, verse 28. For the Lord loves justice. He does not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever. But the descendants of the wicked will be cut off. He hates sin. The Bible says he's angry with the wicked. Not the sinner, he's angry with the wicked, the ones who are refusing his plan of salvation. And those who purposely choose to pervert the ways of righteousness. Number nine, the judgment for the righteous, hallelujah, has already fallen upon Christ. Jesus paid and satisfied God's righteous demand on our behalf. The remaining judgment for the believer We'll be, determined, we'll be determining rewards for our faithfulness. Thank God that when we stand before the Lord, we're not going to be judged for our past sins. It's not like there's going to be a big screen when we stand before the Lord behind us, behind him, and he's going to show us all our mistakes, all our failures. All our mistakes, all our failures was nailed to the cross. Amen. But what will be behind him on the screen when he shows us will be when you fed the poor. When you gave a cup of water to a righteous person, thank you, you're going to receive a reward for this bottle of water. Seriously, God remembers all those kind acts. We will be rewarded in eternity. But for the unbeliever, the unbeliever has another thing coming for him. Psalm 58, verse 11. So that men will say, surely there is a reward for the righteous. Surely he is a God who judges the earth. I bring all these points up in hopes of stirring prayer for the lost, in stirring intercession, in stirring courage to share God's love and his gospel to people all around us. There are people all around us that are about to perish. No matter how young we are, how old we are, God wants to use us. Last verse, number 10. Judgment at the end of the age will reveal God's full wrath upon a wicked world. The writings of the Old Testament prophets and the book of Revelation clearly depict a picture of a holy God coming forth to reward the wicked for their wickedness. This in no way contradicts the God of mercy. For mercy will triumph Over judgment, that's in the book of James, chapter 2, it's found that, verse 13. For mercy will triumph over judgment to those who put their trust in God. Psalm 28, verse 4 and 5. Give them according to their deeds and according to the wickedness of their endeavors. Give them according to the works of their hands. Render to them what they deserve, because they do not regard the works of the Lord nor the operation of his hands he shall destroy them and build them up now let's bow our heads if we can for a moment i am just simply going to uh we're going to take an uh you want to go all right and then we'll i'm going to open up the altars at the end when we dismiss people if you're interested to receive prayer i'm willing to pray for people who are sick people that need a breakthrough but more than that I really believe that there's people in here that God wants to touch afresh in the area of intercession and prayer. I believe that there's people here tonight that the Lord wants to touch you specially again, to give courage once again, to share the gospel with the lost. You know that when someone gets saved, that's judgment because Satan's kingdom has been judged and the power of sin has been broken off of that person's life. When you intercede and someone gets set free, that's judgment on the kingdom of darkness. Judgment has been sent, has been decreed over that person. They're innocent, they're freed. And God wants to do that afresh in the name of Jesus.
0: Oh, Whew. Everyone, let's give a hand again to uh, Carlos. Thank you for that message. <clears throat> really is uh, it all boils down to prayer, doesn't it? Powerful, powerful. Uh, In a moment, the ushers are going to come forward, and we're going to take up a love offering uh, for Carlos. If you uh, weren't prepared to participate in a love offering this morning, you can also drop a check by our office uh, this week. You can also go to our website, pinecastleumc.com forward slash giving. There's an other option, and then in there you can write love offering. You can put Carlos. uh, Just in some way let us know that uh, it is for uh, uh, our Our gratitude and our thanks for him bringing the word to us this morning. Uh, The ushers are going to come forward and and I'll uh, pray while they do. Lord, we thank you uh, that you are here with us, that you are in this building, that you are inside each of us. Uh, Lord, I thank you for the message we received this morning. I pray that it uh, touches our hearts. I pray that it affects a change in us uh, to take prayer more seriously and that we do it continuously and that we look for opportunities to pray. Uh, Lord, that we would be bold in our prayer. And so, Lord, we thank you this morning uh, for your word. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. As uh, they're passing the plate, I'm going to give a very brief benediction. And then, uh, like Carlos said, we're going to open up the altar. So if you have to leave, you're welcome to. We won't offend anyone. But if you want to stay, you want to be ministered to, we would love to have you up here. So uh, now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the throne of his great power and love and glory. Uh, Be all power and dominion, glory and honor forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, Pine Castle. Be blessed.